are listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our hope is for you to be encouraged and to connect with God during this message. If you'd like to know more about Thornapple Valley Church, visit tvcweb.com. So as I get started this morning, I also want to welcome those of you who are online. Let me just state the obvious, what's going through most of your minds right now. You're thinking to yourself, he's way too old to be wearing those skinny jeans, and I get it. And I have to say in my defense that when I bought these jeans, they were not skinny jeans. But it's ironic how the less skinny I've become, the more skinny my jeans have become. So anyway, I'm working on that. Now that has absolutely nothing to do with what I'm talking about today, but I thought I would just share the fact that I'm in progress. So with that being said, let me just start off by saying happy Mother's Day. Can we give it up for all the moms and the mothers to be in the room? Actually, um, my wife, who's a mother who's here, and also my mother-in-law who's here, and she's right here on the front row. So can we give it up for her? Thank you. <laughs> Tina. But let me just say this. Even in saying that, here's what I know, and, and this is what I know for those of you who are watching me online, is that this is not a happy day for everyone. But I know that there are some of you who wanted to be a mother biologically, but you couldn't. Some of you have recently lost your mother. Some of you are in the midst of a nasty custody battle with your kids right now, and this is an awkward and it's an uncomfortable day. So what do you do about those kind of situations? Everybody's taking photos and it's a happy day, but on the inside of you, there's some of you who will yourself to come to church today because this is not a happy day for you. I've often thought to myself, the hardest day that, that this is, is for those who have a distant relationship with your kids. It's awkward. It's uncomfortable. And it's very difficult because here's what's true. I think most of us wish, those of us who are parents like me and Jen, we wish that our kids came with a manual. Wouldn't that have been a lot easier? Like, like I, I can remember when, when I had my very first kid, Jen is uh, pregnant, and then, and then came the moment where, where she came out, and I remember when she came out, my heart's beating fast, and I remember the doctor asked me, he says, hey, do you want to cut the cord? And I looked at him and said, hey, I'm going to pay you thousands of dollars, and you're going to ask me to do half the work? No, you cut the cord. And, and I, I remember then they gave her to me, and she started crying, I'm crying, and then I get the best introduction to fatherhood. She peed on me. And I said, hey, I'm a dad now. Hey, here's what I found to be true with all kids. And every parent will relate to this. We all know that there are what I call not my kid moments that we have with our kids. You know what I'm talking about? And then we have these proud parent moments. I'll tell you about what I remember when Jen and I, we were in Dallas, Texas. We were working at this Bible college. I think our kids were about two or three at the time. And... We didn't even know that they knew how to get outside, but somehow they got outside of the apartment and they're running around stark naked. And when I say stark naked, I'm talking about no fruit and loom, no loom, no fruit, no nothing. They're just running around. And one of the custodial staff came and knocked on the door and said to us, hey, your kids are running outside naked and I wanted to let you know. And we said, those are not our kids. But we will let our neighbor know to, we're watching them to stop being so trifling and let your kids run outside naked. So anyway, we get it. But then as parents, we have those proud parent moments. 
Like I remember also when we were in Dallas, we were planting this church. And I remember we, we were trying to find the right sake to meet. And so one day we're walking through this organization. And I remember um, one of the ladies who was on the board, she kept saying to us, your kids are beautiful. We're like, thank you. But then she kept on telling us, wow, your kids are beautiful. Your kids are beautiful. Well, eventually um, it got kind of awkward. And, and we're thinking like, why is this lady all about kitchen. She said, well, I work for the Dallas Zoo. Here's what I want to know. Would you allow your kids to be the face of our new marketing campaign? And so we looked at each other and we said, well, how much are you going to pay us? I mean, sure. But what ended up happening is our son got to be on on some of the buses and some billboards, and it was really a neat, proud parent moment. And I think this is what's true for all of us. Whether we're parents or not, we're looking for wisdom. Wisdom on how do we relate to the people that we lead, whether it's a family, whether you're a manager or a boss. In Proverbs chapter 31, if you got a Bible, that's where we're going to be in. Proverbs chapter 31, we're going to learn from the wisest man to ever live, a man by the name of Solomon. But let me just set this up. Solomon found himself as a result of a messy marriage. So if you know the story, Solomon's father is a guy by the name of David. Solomon's mother is a woman by the name of Bathsheba, but if you know anything about David and Bathsheba's marriage, it was a messy marriage. Actually, it starts off as an affair. You can read about this in 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12. So the very first son that David and Bathsheba is going to have actually is going to pass away. And then comes Solomon. So you have to imagine when, when Solomon comes on the scene that he's an answer to prayer that that he's blessed. And here's what Solomon is going to write, giving homage to his mom in Proverbs chapter 31. If you're there, I'm going to start right there in verse 1. Solomon says, it's the sayings of King Lemuel, an inspired utterance his mother taught him. Verse 2, listen, my son, son of my womb, listen, son, the answer to my prayers. Now, We don't know for sure who King Lemuel is, but most scholars believe that this is actually Solomon that is being written about, and here's why. Because the name Lemuel in Hebrew means devoted to God. So this is rather a title, not a name. And what she's saying is, Solomon, you're the answer to my prayers. When this whole thing started with me and David, and it was awkward, and it was all in the news, and it was messy, I thought that I was too far gone for God's grace. But God has a way of taking some of the things, some of our mistakes, and turning it into miracles and blessings, and that's what happens. And I would imagine that, that every day she would look at Solomon and say, you are answered to prayer, son. And then she starts giving him some wisdom. Here's what she says in verse 4, or verse 3. Do not spend your strength on women, your vigor on those who ruin kings. Saying, Solomon, listen, you're a young prince. And there's going to be a lot of women who are going to want you for what you can do for them, not because of who you are. And and I think what she's trying to say to him is, listen, son, just because you can have it doesn't mean that it's for you. Just because there's somebody who's, who's Instagramming you and going after you, not every relationship is going to be profitable to you. And then she says this in verse 4. 
It is not for kings, Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, not for rulers to crave beer, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed, and deprive the oppressed of their rights. She says, listen, son, I love you. And because I love you, I've got to give you some hard truths. And the first hard truth is every girl that winks at you is not for you. Here's the second thing I want to tell you. Also, don't find yourself addicted to stuff that will hold you back from doing and being who you're called to be. Don't sip on too much wine or too much beer. In modern day language, what she would be saying is when you go down to Tennessee, don't sip on too much Tennessee if you know what I'm talking about. Because it'll mess you up. Did I ever tell you guys about the uh, Catholic priest who he's getting ready for communion, and so he goes to the liquor store to taste some of the wine. So he goes and he tastes some, and it's like, man, this is really, really good wine. Next thing you know, he's actually a little tipsy, and then he realizes he's going to be late for communion. So he jumps in his car, and he's driving a little bit erratically, and so a cop pulls him over. The cop says, hey, Father, did you realize you were driving a little erratically? And the cop says, no, but I was on my way to communion. And then as the cop is talking to him, he, he could smell something on his breath. And so the cop says, Father, have you been drinking? He says, absolutely not. And then the cop says, well, what is in the bottle? The priest says, there's water in this bottle. The, priest, the cop says, really? Let, let me smell it. So he smells it. He says, there's, you sure? Then he takes a sip and he says, Father, there's not water in this bottle. There's wine. And the priest says, praise the Lord. He did it again. So anyway. <laughs> That wasn't, it, it's worked before. Anyway, so <laughs> here's the point. Let's go back to, to the passage here. She says this, this is Solomon's mother speaking to him in verse 6. Let beer be for those who are perishing and wine for those who are in anguish. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Now, she's obviously speaking in kind of exaggerated language, because for those of us who's ever battled with addiction, what we know about addiction is this, is we run to the addiction to escape the pain, but we really don't escape it. It actually makes it worse. You're trying to escape the pain, the poverty, the depression, the loneliness, but it doesn't make you feel any better. So then, she says in verse 8, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of those who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. So if anybody's looking for wisdom, if you're looking for wisdom online, here's the wisdom that Solomon's mother is giving to him. The first thing that she is saying is that wise men listen to their moms. Wise men listen to their moms. Now, some of us don't have a good relationship with our mother, but here's what I believe. God's put certain women in our life to give us guidance and direction. Now, I would imagine for Solomon, he had a deeper and a more connected relationship with his mother because of what they went through together. If you were to read 1 Samuel chapter 1 and 2, here's what you would discover. So, David is going to make a promise to Bathsheba that Solomon would be king. But when it comes to that point, David is a little bit older and he's moving slower. And so one of his kids takes advantage of that and appoints himself as king. Solomon's mother goes in and intervenes on Solomon's behalf. And she says, David, you promised me 
that my son would be king. And so David is going to step up and appoint him king. And I would imagine for Solomon, he always cared about and respected his mother because of what she did for him. You know, what can be true of all of us is, I don't know what your relationship is like with your mother, but I'm sure that there's disappointments, but there's also investment that's worth treasuring. But here's the second thing that he's going to say, is that wise men not only listen to their mom, but eventually they leave their moms. Now, when I say leave their moms, I'm not talking about forget about them, but, but in verse 8 when he says, speak up for those who can't speak for themselves, what he's saying is that wise men, they move from being mama's boy to being mature men. They realize that I have a responsibility. And, and that's why she's saying, hey, listen, manage your addictions, manage those things in your life that can get you going in the wrong directions. Because think about this for a second. We've all maybe heard of, some of us have witnessed a drunk driver behind a wheel. But imagine a drunk president in the situation room when you got to make hard calls. She's looking out for him and she said, listen, son, be smart, be wise, so you can do what you're called to do. And so I imagine as, as Solomon is then thinking about that, then he's going to reflect on his mother. And Bathsheba wasn't a perfect woman, but she was intentional. And, and, and here's, I think, his reflection on her. We're going to start in verse 10. It says, a wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Now, I want you to notice he didn't say a wife who can find, but a wife of noble character. Which means that if you're going to find a woman of noble character, you've got to take some time and you've got to get to know her and you've got to spend some time with her and you've got to see how she is in different scenarios because then when you find a ruby, it's worth it. But here's the problem with Solomon. Even though he would say to listen to your, his mom, he didn't listen to his mom. What, what 1 Kings chapter 11 will tell us is that Solomon is going to marry a thousand women, 700 wives, 300 concubines. Can you imagine how many Valentine's gifts he had to get? <laughs> and, and here's what the scripture will tell us about Solomon is they eventually turned his heart away from God. Mom knows what she's talking about. He goes on to say, her husband has full confidence in her, verse 11, and she lacks nothing. He lacks nothing of value. She brings him good and not harm all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works eagerly with her hand. She's like a merchant ship bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it's still night and provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it, and out of her earnings she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously, and her arms are strong to the task. She sees that trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I'm just getting tired reading this. This is a mother on a mission. She's focused, she's intentional, and she's putting all kind of effort in. In verse 19, he says, In our hand she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. Verse 21, When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for they're all clothed and scarlet. Now, this is one of the reasons that we know that Bathsheba was from Michigan, because she's not afraid of the snow. She, she gets it. But here's one of the other challenges is that it says that they're all clothed in scarlet, so she must have been an Ohio State fan, and so that's kind of one of those things that we're working through. That was a lot funnier last service. They loved it. They loved it. But anyway, it says this. It says in verse 22, 
She makes covering for her bed, and she is clothed in fine linen and purple. I want you to mark that in your Bible and remember that, because if she's clothed in fine linen and purple, then I'm going to ask you a question that I want you to just think about in your mind. Why is she selecting wool and flax, and she's working at the spindle and the distaff? Just think about that for a second. I'm going to come back to it. It says this in verse 23. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. When I was working at a church on the other side of the state, we had a campus in Lansing where the capital of our state is. So that was the seat of power in the capital in our day and time. But if you were in that day and time, the seat of power was at the city gate. That's where they convened. This is a woman whose husband has great power and authority. It goes on to say this, she makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with their sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity, and she can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Verse 28, for every mother who's in the midst of a battle right now, for every mom who's, who's having those moments where you're crying yourself to sleep, this is a great verse to remember. Verse 28. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. Verse 29. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Here's what I think Solomon is doing is he's reflecting about the mother that he had. She wasn't perfect, but she was intentional. And her intentionality, I think, played out in several ways. Here's the first one, is that she was very industrious. What I mean by that is, I told you, I want you to think about the idea that it says that she's clothed in fine linen and purple, which is the clothes of royalty, but yet she selects wool and flax, and she's sitting at the spindle and the distaff. Now, for those of you who sew clothes, you understand the difference. She's making her own clothes, and she's making the clothes for her family. Why is she doing this? She's doing this not because she has to, but because she chooses to. See, she is involved with every aspect of her kids' life, even to the clothes that they wear, because she understands that being involved matters. For all of us who are parents who have regret, some of our regret comes from the fact that we chose a hands-off policy. When we start to notice changes about the way they dress and the way that they were thinking and, and so forth, we just said, hey, I'm going to give you your space. Whereas this woman, she's so intentional that she's making clothes for a prince who doesn't need clothes made for him. She's involved. She's asking the questions. And I imagine as she's showing these outfits for, for little Solomon, she's teaching him these lessons along the way. If we want to be the kind of parents who are making a difference, we've got to be involved. We've got to be close enough to speak into situations. Here's the second thing that I imagine that Solomon's talking about and when he's talking about wisdom. How do you become a wise person? And this is what he learned from his mother is in verse 26 it says, Faithful instruction is on her tongue. Is not only was she industrious, she was also instructive. She was instructive. 
Let me, let me say this to every manager, every mother, every leader, every parent. One of the worst things you could ever do for the people you lead is not tell them the truth. Not tell them the truth. You, it, it's criminal not to speak into people's life when they need it. And let me give you an example. Once we get into the New Testament, there's a guy by the name of Pilate. Pilate is the governor of this little area called Galilee. He didn't even like it. It's kind of his summer home. And so, so he shows up one day, and there's a riot. The people are talking about this guy named Jesus who's from Nazareth. And, and all the people are saying, crucify him, crucify him. Which is also a little bit odd because that, they're saying that on Friday, but on Sunday they were waving palm branches before them. He is feeling distracted, frustrated, and he's about to go along with the crowd just to appease the crowd, but then his wife has a dream. She doesn't know Jesus. She's not a Christ follower. But she says, whatever you do, do not touch that man because I've had a dream. He is innocent. I imagine if Pilate could go back, he would wish that he listened to his wife. See, I believe that God's put an intuitive sense in women where sometimes you pick up on stuff that's just beneath the surface. I'm so thankful for not only my wife, but the, the women who have been around me who say, Keith, move slower because I get a bad feeling about that. And sometimes we go, well, it makes sense to me. I'm going to do it. And next thing you know, we find ourselves in a bad situation. Because I love what Solomon says. He says, Charm is deceptive, and beauty is fleeting. He says, don't spend so much time looking for a woman who looks right on the outside. If she doesn't look right on the inside, you're about to get yourself in trouble. I, I, I found that this works both ways. Sometimes ladies are like, oh my gosh, did you meet my new boyfriend? Man, you got to see his abs. He is the greatest. But I imagine wise people come along and say, hey, listen, don't just look at his abs. Look at his credit score because, listen, <laughs> abs are fleeting, but credit will follow you. Can I get an amen at this 11 o'clock service? <laughs> Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Here's the last one, though. It says that her children will rise and call her blessed. Now, that's the verse that I asked you to mark. But I want you to notice that there's no timestamp on it. Is that here's what we all long for for our kids is when we are trying our very best, we're saying, hey, don't go to that party. Don't date that guy. Don't do that because it's going to mess your life up. We wish that our kids would call us blessed in that moment. But if you've ever had teenagers, and Jen and I, we've got teenagers, that's not when they call us blessed. If you've ever done this before, you know when you're in a heated argument with your kids and you're going back and forth, it's not in that moment that they go, Mom, I just want you to know you are a blessing in my life right now. Doesn't happen. But here's what I know to be true. For those of us who have resentment in our heart towards our parents, some of that resentment is our parents gave us too much freedom. We really wish that our parents loved us enough to put boundaries in our life and make the hard calls because we could avoid some of our own self-destruction and that's what maturity is all about. 
So let me just end with this. There was once a very famous mother who never actually had children of her own. And here's some words that's been attributed to her because it was in her office in Calcutta, India. Her name is Mother Teresa. And here are the words that have been attributed to her. We don't know if she wrote these or not, but here are the words. People are often unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered, but forgive them anyway. If you're kind, people may accuse you of selfish and ulterior motives, but be kind anyway. If you're successful, you will win some false friends and some true enemies, but succeed anyway. If you're honest and frank, people may cheat you, but be honest and frank anyway. What you spend years building, someone could destroy overnight, but build anyway. See, if you find serenity and happiness, they may be jealous, but be happy anyway. The good you do today, people will often forget tomorrow. Do good anyway. Give the world the best that you have, and it may never be enough. Give the world the best you've got anyway. Now, I love this final phrase because it goes like this. See, you see, in the final analysis, it's between you and your God. It was never between you and them anyway. I just want to challenge every person who's in the room and you've got hard decisions to make, hard calls to make, is just do the right thing so you can sleep good at night. As I bring this message to a close, here's what we believe here at TVC is that everybody has a next step. For some of you, your next step is really your first step, and that is to choose to follow Jesus. Some of you are thinking right now, parents, you're thinking, man, this this following Jesus stuff is hard. This doing parenting is hard. Well, you were never meant to do it alone. Jesus would love to walk beside you. Maybe you're in here and you're like, I've never had a mother who loved me. I need some hope in God. God wants to be that for you. For others of you, you would say, you know something? I need to learn more about following Jesus. We got that class, Explore God. It's, it's incredible and it will help you with that. Some of you, you know, we were talking about baptism. That's what that cross is all about with those names. It illustrates people are saying, hey, I'm leaving my old life and I'm nailing it to the cross. If you need to get baptized, that's the next step. For some of you, like Brian talked about, you need some community. Because none of us have this all figured out, but, but sometimes together we're better and, and, and you can get an idea when you're part of your tribe, your small group, and they can journey with you. And, and then some of you, God's calling you to serve. Your next step is to step up and be a part of the community. Maybe you've raised really great kids and God's calling you to speak into other people's life. I don't know what your next step is, but I want, you to, I want to invite you to take it during this time. Thank you for listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. If you found this message encouraging, we invite you to share it. For more information, visit tbcweb.com.